What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Havoc Cast. In this podcast, I like to talk about tabletop games, role-playing games, and all the hobby nonsense. And my favorite part about the hobby is the people that play them, including you. On today's podcast, I'm going to go over the golden rule. I'm going to talk to my buddy, Gorilla with a Brush, and give you an update on the Edge of the Empire, Age of Rebellion campaign that I'm playing with my buddies. We had a lot of fun, and I tried something different this week. And uh, I want to talk to you guys about it. So thanks for stopping by. It's the only podcast with a 180 degree firing arc. The Havoc Cast. Havoc Cast number six. Now for the golden rule. Not only the golden rule in gaming, but the golden rule for life. Don't be a dick! This week I had a very awesome conversation with my new friend and yours, Gorilla with a Brush. So I'm going to just go ahead and jump into the easy stuff first, Gorilla with a Brush. All right, what, shoot, man. What is, what is your favorite paint color? My favorite paint color has to be Cantabric Blue from Scale 75. Why do you like Cantabric what is it? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I don't even know if that's how it's pronounced, but uh, yeah, Cantabric, <laughs> it's Cantabric Blue. Uh, it's just this really deep, rich, uh, fairly dark blue mm-hmm. um, that looks, it looks really good as like a, a base coat to do other blues on. Um, it works mm-hmm. really well as a glaze to tint stuff below it to give it a really nice, rich blue color. And when you add you know, creams or whites to it, it creates really interesting colors as well. So it's just a really pretty blue. Tabletop gaming is now an MMA style sport. What is your entrance <laughs> music as you approach the table? Oh man, that, that is random. I was not ready for that question. Um, oh, man, there's going to be so many more. You're going to be like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? <laughs> Why did I agree to this? <laughs> uh, Let's just say Metallica Inner Sandman. It's there it's a go. little bit of a safe choice, but nice. uh, let's do it that way. Because yeah. you put your opponents to sleep. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. My play style is so dull that uh, <laughs> I lull them into to uh, submission. So, uh, how did you get started in the hobby? You know, so long time ago, er, early to mid '90s, uh, you know, the game Hero Quest came out. I was a young, impressionable youth who loved knights and medieval times and stuff like that. And so when that game came out, uh, I got my grandfather to buy it for me for Christmas. And I actually started painting those miniatures over one summer. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I didn't know what primer was. I tried to paint them all with those those old testers colors. Yeah, yep. uh-huh. yeah, yeah, and the little uh, glass yeah. bottles. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, it was not good. Um, I still use those miniatures for role playing games and stuff, but yeah, it, they're terrible. Um, then when I was a little bit older, I kind of always had that memory. And uh, when I first started seeing Games Workshop models, I thought, you know, I'd really like to make a chess set out of those. So I started buying them and painting them. And the problem was I quickly got a little bit better with every model. So by the time I reached the fifth or sixth model, uh, it was pretty clear this wasn't going to work because the first model was already terrible compared to what I was doing. <laughs> and so then when I I, every time I'd go in the store to buy a new model or get some more paints, the guys there would always say, hey, you want to learn how to play the games? And I always said, well, you know, I think that I better not learn because as soon as you teach me, I'm going to jump in with both feet. 
And I don't know if I can afford that. But then one day my brother comes home and he says, hey, my friend just started playing this game called Warhammer and I think I'm going to start. And that was it. I, I was fully into the hobby. That was about, I'd say, 98, something like that. And I've just okay. been gaming and painting ever since. It's so funny you mentioned the testers paint because I feel like almost everyone I know that's in this hobby started off using those paints. It's like my dad, he used to build models, you know, like actual scale models of like planes and stuff. Uh-huh among other things. And he bought like a couple of metal, like pewter models or lead or, you know, whatever they used to be made out of. And, you know, he used to chew on them and stuff, but uh, he <laughs> had like a bunch of, uh, he had a bunch of these lead models and he, I remember he had this game. It was like a board game, but it was like D and D based. I think it was like TSR actually made the game, but it was like a board game. So okay. he had these models that he bought for that. And he, and I remember one of them, his very vivid memory was like a naked woman. So like, okay. <laughs> and she like had like a, like a, um, like a cloak over her, but she she was like naked and right. he painted it with like just this testers like skin tone kind of thing and I, the reason i remember it is because we played with this model and then like you know the the higher parts of the model rub off because it was just testers over the metal so the highest parts of this model was the nipples <laughs> <laughs> so so as a kid, I remember playing with this metal model that was skin tone, but it had lead colored nipples. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that's that, what it rubbed off. Right. I can see where that would stick in your, your mind from, from your youth. And that's, you know, I hadn't really thought about it much until you mentioned Tester's Paint. So yeah. moving on, what yeah. technique, what <laughs> technique can you not get right no matter how many times you try? You know, uh, to keep with the theme, um, sheer cloth. Ah. Now, I, I have not, I will admit, I have not tried it several times, but that's because my first two attempts were uh, not very good at all. But, you know, I've tried to do, my most successful is to do some stockings on like Malifaux showgirl models or something, mm -hmm. where you kind of, you kind of make it look, it's mostly dark grayish brown, but you try to give the illusion that there's some skin showing through. Sure. I've been, I've been mildly successful with that, but the times I've tried to do, you know, like kind of a sheer dress or something, mm -hmm. it, it has not, uh, not gone well. So that is something I need to work on. I've seen maybe a few folks on Twitter that are good at it. And two that come to mind is, uh kelly kelfrey i don't know if you follow uh -huh. her at all yeah she's got the like the new death night haunts or whatever the hell they're called and synchronize also does it really well yeah she's done she's done that massive like um i guess it's a wood elf kind of chick uh -huh. that's like on a giant beetle or something and the way she painted it made the the, the fabric look almost like it was wet like this like a wet t-shirt contest kind of situation yeah, yeah. i guess for want of a better description but yeah and i was just staring at it like what the i can't even wrap my mind around that at all so i'm not even gonna try it but yeah i need to figure out the tricks for that that's on my to-do yeah. list yeah this like it's something to do with like i mean as a as a miniature painter myself i'm not like great at it but like some people understand color so well like how the color will look and the fabric will, will like sort of take on the different color of what's underneath it, but still have the color that's in it. And I just, I can't get my mind around yeah, that. Dude. Yeah. Well, and having not, you know, <laughs> worn a lot of sheer fabric myself, I'm not right. used to probably looking that closely at, at, uh, how that works. Maybe it's, maybe it's time to start. You don't have like a mesh shirt you used to wear in the club or anything like that. <laughs> no, 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 no. But you know, well, maybe I'll hit up the good, the local goodwill and see what I can find. Do you play RPGs? And if so, tell me about your character. Ah, um, I do from time to time. My favorite is uh, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Mm -hmm. um, I actually am usually the GM, 
So okay. that's just the, the system that I prefer to run because I kind of like to set games where, you know, players are anchored into a location for for the entire campaign. Like they live in a big city or something and they get kind of wrapped up in bigger events that are happening there. But it's kind of nice because that system's more career based rather than class based. Okay. And so you kind of get the people, OK, you've got this career, you live in the city, you make a living, you work. And this side plot stuff that's happening is just something you kind of get wrapped up in and, um, you know, you end up having to to participate or, you know, your life's in jeopardy kind of thing. But, you know, you can kind of have cool little side things that go on, you know, that they know people in the city, they have friends they can call on, they have contacts they can they can call on when during the adventures. And it's kind of a neat way. So I, I like that system. A few times when I've been a player, uh, my favorite, I, I tend to play a character who isn't really good at the class that he is. Okay, I like that. <laughs> uh, so for an example, like a ranger who is kind of hot-headed and tends to panic a little bit when time when uh, things get tense. And so, you know, if you you get into a battle, he just wants to like go in their fists flying and you're like, "Dude, you're a you're an archer. You've right. got weapons, but like he wants to <laughs> wrestle the guy or you know, something like that where or he wants to pick up and just throw objects, you know, like it's in a bar scene, he wants to throw mugs of ale at people instead of, nice. you know, call on the things that he's actually good at cuz I don't know, I just kind of like that idea of of uh, being suboptimal. <laughs> Right, right, right. I play. It makes it a little more fun and, and interesting to me. Do you have any uh, like NPCs? That, like when you GM, you like have an NPC that's kind of like your go-to guy. That's almost like your kind of like your not alter ego, but like he's your favorite, and you you have the most fun playing that NPC and like guiding the characters. Uh, not that I can necessarily think of. I I do like when I'm when I'm a GM. I like to have uh, NPCs that. This is probably all GMs, but like to have NPCs that aren't quite what they appear to be mm -hmm. on the surface. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like um, the mild-mannered hobbit who turns out to be the mastermind of the, you know, the thieves' guild in the town. Sure, right. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, something yeah. like that where it plays with the, the player's expectations, but more just than, okay, the first person we meet, I shouldn't trust him. But it, like, really breaks character of who they who they are. And that, you know, that gets slowly revealed through campaigns or something. That That's kind of a fun go to played a game last week i i, I gm uh, star wars role-playing and okay. the, a game i gm last week i had a he was like a negotiator like a rebel negotiator turns out he was a jedi basically he was like super deadpan and dry like matter of fact like but in a funny way about everything and my wife my wife actually plays with me and she was like so is this guy basically like you <laughs> yeah. i was like i was like He's like me, but he's taller, so it's not. Right. <laughs> and and a Jedi, right? I mean, and, maybe... and a Jedi. Well, I mean, I actually am a Jedi, so that's, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, that's that part is is similar, but the height is the big disparity there. You're like, this guy has a, yeah. this, You're like, this guy has a green lightsaber, and I have yeah. a blue lightsaber, yeah. so it's yeah. totally different. different. Not similar at all. Uh, who or what inspires you the most, Gorilla with a brush? I, I mean, life-wise, I. I'm an educator by trade. Um, oh, really? And, and by passion, yeah. And so, my I've I've been a high school teacher in my life. My current job is I develop math curricula and I train teachers and I work with in-service teachers and and do professional training for them. Um, and I just really like to I really like to see people learn new things. I like to uh, impact people's lives in positive ways. That's that's something that's just a really big part of my life. And so, I think in hobby wise. 
I mean, obviously I have inspirations for the things that I paint and, and what I like to paint, but I also, I also like to participate in communities of people who like to be positive and like to help each other and uh, impact each other in positive ways. And so I feel like I, you know, when, when people message me with questions, I, I always try to take the time to give them a really good answer and, and take the time to give them the feedback they need because, you know, we all, no matter what it is, whether it's hobby related or life related, you know, we all get the places we are or where we're going by the help of other people. And I'd like to try to give back and honor the people who've helped me get to the place where I am in my life and my hobby by, by giving a little bit back. So I'd say that's what inspires me. If I can be a little sappy. Yeah, no, I like <laughs> sap's fine. Sap's good. What model have you painted that you are most proud of? Uh, there's a lot of criteria for that. I, you know, I will say, <laughs> I will say that the Wolf and Prowler I painted a couple years ago in a painting exchange with Blues Light Painting. Yeah. Uh, I would say that's probably that's probably the model I'm most proud of, for a lot of reasons. But I'll just pick out one here. Is um, I for the first time I've done a lot of freehand and a lot of banners and things in my life, but this was the first one that I actually did. I tried to do shading on flat surface banner. Like oh, okay. Yeah. Flat surface yeah. Painting, you know, do the shading on there on the 2D surfaces and then to, I don't know, I, I just, I just love the way that it turned out. And uh, also, you know, being the fact that it was a painting exchange and me and the other guy were really trying to push ourselves with what we were doing. And uh, it was just a really cool memory. And uh, I think the, the model came out even better than I was expecting. So I'll say that's the one I'm most proud of. So what's a painting exchange? Like someone sends you a model and then you paint it. So what it we did was we 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 just picked a model that we really wanted to paint but just hadn't had a chance to paint, you know, something that was in our back catalog, mm -hmm. uh, you know, our cabinet of shame. And wherever we were at and whatever we were trying to work on, um, we just painted the model to the utmost, the absolute best. We tried to push ourselves and then we just traded the model so that you had this example of where that person was at that moment in their painting. You have this cool just kind of like, you know, friendship exchange and, and this models can sit in your case and remind you of the exchange. Uh, yeah, the exchange. <laughs> uh, but it's just a cool way to get to know a person better, but also to to have that record of where they were at in their painting journey and have them tell the story about why they paint, why they picked that model and what they were trying to do. And, um, so it was really cool. Interesting. Was that something that like you set up as part of like a, uh, like an activity or like you just found someone that you liked and said, Hey, let's do this thing. Or like, how does one get involved in a, in a painting exchange? Well, you just need two people <laughs> uh, <laughs> the way or more, uh, the way that we did it, I had painted a, a troll blood model for him in the past and mm. we were talking about maybe me have about me maybe painting another one, but, and then he had also said like, Hey, I'd love to paint a model for you. And so it just kind of got, we just kind of started talking about this idea, yeah. you know, about just doing a, a trade rather than hiring each other to paint a model yeah. of just doing totally a trade cool. instead. And, uh, and so, yeah, we just kind of talked it out and it was just something that snowballed. And then we ended up doing it. It was a lot of fun. Then we, we did Facebook live videos of the unboxings when we got oh, them. That's cool. Uh, yeah. Neat. What is something you can never seem to finish? It used to be armies when I actually played tabletop <laughs> games. Um, I, I haven't been, I, I sold my last army a few years ago. I haven't jumped back into any game systems right now. I'm mostly just, you know, painting for myself or uh -huh. yeah. uh, other people, but I'm the kind of guy who when I'm painting, I, I want anyone who looks at one of my painted models to know that that's pretty much the best that I can do. Mm -hmm. You know, I, it's just something with me. Like if I had a small army and somebody comes up and goes, that's really good. But I know that that's not the best work that I could do. I always feel like 
well, yeah, but you should see my other stuff. Right, right. <laughs> you know, like that's that's the big part of me for the hobby. I don't really care whether I win or lose games. I just want to hang out with cool people and and paint and show off my painting. I always paint my armies with like the absolute top quality that I'm able to produce at that time. Yeah, which means that it takes years and years to actually finish an army. an army. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's Usually, cool. right when I finish, it's you know right at the end of an edition or whatever, and then half the models aren't even you know, valid or legal right. anymore. Yeah, the people don't like them anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah. I painted all these Vespid for Tau. Right. They've always sucked. Yeah. That's funny. I wish I could be like that because I love winning. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but don't get me wrong. It's always better to win than to lose. But, you know, to me, it's the social aspect of the hobby that I, you know, Absolutely. motivates me most. I agree with that. But, man, I really like just crushing people and <laughs> making them rethink their whole life and strategy. Yeah. Well, that would be that would be the case when I play against my brother, but against most <laughs> nice. other people, uh, it's it's more casual. <laughs> what quirks do you have? You, you know, have? I really, yeah, I don't know if I have a good answer for that. I'm sure, I'm sure other people could tell you more what sure. my quirks are. Yeah. I'm not you sure. Get one pass. You get one yeah. pass if you yeah. can't. I'll, I'll pass on this one. But other right, people, I, I, I feel I encourage people who are you know seeing the advertisement for this on Twitter or whatever sure. when they listen. If they know me, feel free to chime in and, and list all my quirks. Nice. They'll give you a probably twenty. That's gonna be that's gonna be the title. List yeah. list the list, quirks. List the quirks. <laughs> What's something that happened, or something that someone said to you that changed how you view the world? So, I have a couple in mind, and I'm trying to decide what you know how how what uh, how deep to share. Okay, so I'll give I'll give the answer that's first that's uh, most consistent with my prior uh, my prior answers, which is. I remember when I was a kid, or maybe maybe adolescent, um, my dad said something along the lines of, no one's ever stood so tall as when they stoop to help a child. Mm. And I think that that was something that really stuck with me and kind of shaped my worldview a little bit. And probably, I don't, I don't want to draw a direct line and say that's why I became a teacher or why I entered the things that I did. But I, I will say that that's always stuck with me when I think about sacrificing something to help somebody else. I, you know, I think about that quote and it doesn't have to be child, but just, you know, when you, you know, no one's ever, ever been such a big person as when they, you know, sacrifice something to help other people. Sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so I think that that's, that's really stuck with me. And I think, I mean, my dad has always been a big, you know, role model in my life, not so much by, you know, him telling me things to do, but just the way he's lived his life and trying to kind of live up to, to what I see in yeah, him. That's... Yeah, so I'll choose that one. What's the last game that you played, and did you win? <laughs> <laughs> uh, board game, tabletop? Any game. Okay, so the last game I played, my my niece and nephew uh, are like 9, 10 years old, somewhere mm -hmm. right around there, mm -hmm. and they are huge into Harry Potter right now. And we have the Harry Potter Hogwarts battle game. Okay, which is like a collect a cooperative deck building game, and so you're each different characters oh. trying to beat all the bad guys all together. That's and cool. uh, so we taught them that game, and they loved it so much that we bought it for them as a gift. And I think they've been playing it for three or four days straight now, from from <laughs> from the uh, from what their parents are saying. That, that's and awesome. uh, so the good gift. yes, yeah. So we played that with them, and of course, you know, we all won together. So yes, mm -hmm. we won. That was the last game I played. I've been meaning to get into Harry Potter, like. I don't watch the movies really, and I haven't read the books. And my wife's read the books, but she's not like super into Harry Potter. But I keep right. thinking this might be a cool thing to get into. And yeah. I know there's like um, there's some wizards 
that's about it. That's about yeah. all. Of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, you know, I'm, I enjoy the books and movies. Um, I wouldn't say I'm the, I'm the biggest fan, but they're a good story and they're a good time. I enjoy things that have like a deep mythology to them. You know, yeah. I'm a huge star Wars fan and, and star right. Trek fan and things like that. So anything that like, there's a definite like backstory and yeah. like a, a very established world. Yeah. Like I dig that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think you'll, I think you would dig it into it girl with a brush what do you want your epitaph to be oh let's see the tough, tough one. <laughs> did did not die from eating paint <laughs> let's just say that fair what's uh, the most that's what popped into my mind what's the most impressive thing that you know how to do other than painting it could be anything <laughs> the most impressive thing what do you what do you I, got I'll, I'll i'm gonna actually pick miniature painting only because um Usually when I tell people I do that, it's always I, whatever they have in their mind. They're just like, oh, that's interesting. And then if I show them pictures of what I do, mm-hmm. and especially if there's a shot, you know, here's a quarter next to the model that I painted yeah, or something. The they, scale, they, yeah. they, it just starts to melt their brains and then they can't comprehend. So I'll say that that's probably the most impressive thing that I can do. <laughs> it's funny. I actually talked about that on the last podcast about like when people ask you what your hobby is and if you're like a serious gamer or whatever, if you kind of like gloss over it. But I found that when you explain that, you know, what you do is like, you know, it's it's painting and it's an art and absolutely where you show them like how small these things are that you're painting. Yeah. That tends to blow people's minds for the most part because they can't understand how you can paint something so small. Yeah. And, it, and it's always like, oh, do you use a magnifying glass or do you use this? That's always the that? first question. Yeah. 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 Or, or that, or uh, do you use a, a do you use a brush with one bristle? Right. Yeah. That's yeah. The yeah. Other yeah. I think. Something crazy. <laughs> and like, I no, try you, you don't understand hard. how brushes work. Yeah, that that's work. not quite what it would just make one mark, and yeah. then you would have to put paint on it every two seconds. <laughs> like, I, it's funny because I try so hard not to get like frustrated and kind of like annoyed at the extra additional questions that happen once people find out what it is that I do and how I spend so much time doing this. And uh, it's the same questions over and over again. Oh, how yeah. do you, don't your eyes hurt afterward? I, I get the questions too. Some people who don't really understand how the games work, you mm-hmm. know, when you say, you know, you play the miniature games. And so I always yeah. try to kind of go to, okay, you know how like chess or chess works. And they go, oh, yeah, I, I can understand how chess. Like now imagine that you don't have the grids and you can move your pieces sort of in any direction and then also imagine that you have the ability to say, instead of eight pawns, I only want six pawns, but I want an extra knight or something like that. Right. And you've got the ability to change your, your side. And like, okay, I can kind of understand how that works. Um, as opposed to, I don't know how else to explain it to someone who's never like seen or played those types of games right. before. I always tell people it's like Risk. Have you ever played Risk? Yeah. You know, at some point or another, someone's played Risk and put their you know family and friendships in, uh, <laughs> in danger by doing yep. so but it's always like yeah it's like risk but the board's bigger and there's more dice and it usually kind of gets it but yeah anyway, what's your go-to hobby accessory uh i love the wrath core painting handles so those are the ones they've got a cork, they've got a wood base with a cork mm-hmm. that sticks into it and they've got the metal handle that sticks up yeah those are my favorite i love how i love how small and lightweight they are so they just fit the way that i like to hold models when i paint them um, and then the fact that they rotate really easily so I can spin the model really nicely to get all the, the angles I need and the, the directions I need. That's, that's gotta be my go-to. What's that? T- I, I've seen those and it's got like the little hook that goes over the top of the model. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. What is that? What is that for? Like, I that's, don't understand. So it that. does two things. So 
depending on so like the the GW painting handles are really designed. You kind of hold the handle in your hand, and then the model's mm -hmm. above your hand. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're the kind of person like I. I spent years and years holding models when I painted them with my thumb underneath the base and then my top finger would be on the head or the weapon or whatever. Mm, and then that sure. just has to be the last thing you paint. And so that's kind of how I've learned how to hold models for painting and all my techniques and stuff. So putting that handle in your hand like that with the, 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 uh, the bar that goes above. So you can put your you know index finger or middle finger up on top of that bar and then your, your, you hold it at the bottom. So then the model is like you're holding it in that way, but you're yeah. not actually touching the model. You're not rubbing um, the paint off the top yeah. of the model the whole damn And what, what's cool too is that the, so the metal bar then on the side, if you rotate it, you can actually then put your, your paintbrush hand, kind of rest it against the bar. So you get a contact point that's really close to the model for then doing fine uh, detail. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, they really are, are good. Smart. I'm gonna have to check one of those out. Expensive? How many? How many do I need to get? Um, I I keep wanting to buy more. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I have like eight of them, and I keep wishing that I had more. I find right. Um, yeah. I want to say so you can buy them in the U.S. now. There's some stores that that sell them, and they're something like thirty or thirty-five bucks. But I've actually I think they're still cheapest if you buy them from Germany, as mm -hmm. long as you're buying enough of them to kind of justify the, the shipping yeah, cost. Because yeah. I think they're like 17 or 18 euro in PK Pro is the website that sells them. And so I think they're actually even with the exchange rate and everything, I think they're still the best deal to just order from Germany. In what situation or place would you feel the most out of place in? Any place with lots and lots of people. I am <laughs> I'm one of those guys. I I'm I'm pretty sociable. Like I can mm -hmm. I can talk and hang out. I I'm very comfortable as long as the group is relatively small, right, uh, right. you know, five or six people. As soon as it gets bigger than that, I, I find myself shrinking into the corners right. and just kind of looking for the escape. And mm -hmm. so, gatherings where I don't know a lot of people and and I'm expected to interact with large numbers of people are always a little uncomfortable. I, I say that being a teacher who. Right. And being somebody who is constantly up in front of lots and lots of people. But that's a little different situation because I'm kind of the one in control of everything. Right. You're uh, the one that knows the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, another social situation. So, you know, of course, I'm going to PAX Unplugged this weekend, which is, <laughs> it's, you know, going to be crowded, right? It's going to be crowded, right? Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to find my small groups of people and hang out with them and uh, get to know them better and try to avoid situations where I'm expected to. Now, is that, a, is that a pretty big convention? I keep seeing, and I don't know anything about this particular So convention. this is the first time I'm going, so I'm not, I'm not totally sure what to expect. But mm -hmm. I know that PAX originally was a video gaming convention, and they started, as RPGs got more kind of mainstream, yeah. uh, they started kind of having more RPG and more miniature gaming things added on to their normal conventions. Mm -hmm. And I think that side was getting so large that they're now starting to do these called them PAX Unplugged, which is now the, they basically take uh, kind of the big portion off, and now it's just the role-playing game and hobby and, and miniature stuff. So I'm not right. quite sure how to how large it is. It's it's at a fairly big convention center in Philadelphia, so I mean, it's potentially pretty big, uh, but we'll see. Yeah, I find, you know, most conventions do, the, the ones I've been to and done anyway are, are usually pretty large. But I mean, there's so much to do that like you know you're it's a large group of people but like it's broken down into like smaller groups of people Absolutely. doing things so it's a little more 
digestible, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to hang out. I know a, a couple people who are going who I'm I'm friends with, and I'll I'll get to see them. I also set up some Twitter friends I have who, you know, I've only interacted with on Twitter, but seem like really cool people. I'm going to yeah. run an RPG forum on oh, Friday morning. Cool which will be a kind of a cool way to break the ice with them and get to know them a little bit better. And then maybe also give me a few more people to hang out with that weekend. That, right. Yeah, that yeah. I would know. That's awesome. And that's one of the things that is so amazing about not just the community, but like, I guess technology, like in general, because before Twitter and all these other social medias, you would just go and like, just try to like meet people the old fashioned way by like walking up to strangers and being like, Oh, what game are you playing? You know, that kind of shit. Absolutely. But like now it's like, you know, I've met so many people because I go to Adepticon every year, which is a big gaming yeah. convention in Chicago. And, um, you know, when I first started going, I didn't know anybody. And now, like, I got on Twitter. I'm doing this Warmongers hashtag thing. And you're familiar, of course. Uh-huh. And um, just, yeah, the people that I've met from there, like, you know, are friends of mine now. Like, people that I've met on Twitter, are people that I've met in real life. And I've gone and hung out with them, you know, other times. And it's just, it's just amazing. Yeah, well, you know, if you, it used to be, you know, you go to the game local game store and you just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, you have basically about twenty people to choose from to be friends right. with, and then the hobby, and that's, you know, that's not always going to lend itself to finding you know the strongest friendships. But you know, when you open right. it up to the entire hobby community, you definitely will find people that really have the same passions within the hobby as you do, and that's it's. I think it's a really positive thing. There's the negative side of that is that on Twitter and Facebook and all these places that you can constantly get access to the absolute best painters in the world, (laughs) which means that you also can feel completely minimized at your own skills by seeing, you know, people (laughs) like, uh, uh, like Roman Gruba or whatever, like on a daily basis, you're just like, yeah, you're, you're a master. You're like one of the top 10 painters in the world. And it it forces you to to keep a little bit better perspective of what you're, you're trying to achieve with your own work. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's so hard to like not be, and I think I've talked about this before with other folks is like, try not to like be demoralized when you look at other people's work and you're just like, you know, but you don't think about the fact that it's years of of hard work and years of effort and they're showing this amazing thing. But yeah, just being it like, just the fact that, that like you said, people can message you and you're totally happy to, help yep. them, you know, explain a technique or, you know, go through a process with them or whatever, you know, and probably many of those folks, I would guess, have that same attitude where someone asks them a question, they're going to, you know, they'll, they'll probably try to help you out. And I think yep. that's just how, how did we learn things back in the day? We would get the white dwarf and it would show us how to do like the white dwarf style painting, Absolutely. you know, the heavy metal, but now like there's so much out there. You can go watch a video, you can listen to a podcast of someone explaining something, whatever, or just talk to the person directly. I mean, that's absolutely. That's yeah, a, that's, that's one of the reasons I try to post a lot of work in progress pictures. You know, basically at the end of every session that I'm painting, I'll post whatever, wherever I'm at with whatever models that I do. Uh-huh. Um, part of that is just to show people like, look, this painting's a process. And when you see the final product, it's not like it just magically appeared on this model. Yeah. What are your hobby superstitions? You have I, I don't know that I have any. I, I, I always go to the painting side because that's always, you know, that's more what I'm care. But I think yeah. that I have a lot more superstitions on the gaming side of things, which is probably yeah. common. Um, you know, I would always be I, I would have certain dice that were for each army or for each yep. you know force that I played. And so, you know, OK, this army uses the green dice and the green dice only. And this army uses the purple dice and the purple dice only. And then uh you know, except for when you're making leadership checks, because the leadership checks are always made on the white dice and, right. you know, things like that. Yeah, where you to roll lower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just different dice have different responsibilities for you, uh, <laughs> which is completely, 
they're they're just dice and i have you know i have no idea it wasn't ever a conscious thing of these dice tend to roll high or tend to roll low it was always just a superstitious thing of yeah. like these dice have one job and that's to make attack rolls and <laughs> i find that people like match the dice color to their army and yeah, i think that's yeah. fantastic like oh i gotta find now i'm, ma- I'm making a new army i gotta find new dice <laughs> So what do you wish you knew more about? I would say techniques for doing true metallic metal. So the 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 techniques where people so they use metallic paints but it's not just like okay we put the metal on and we do the wash and we do the highlight but they they you know they they treat metal as if they're painting non-metallic metal but they're painting it with metal paints and so they just get the most like beautiful accurate realistic looking effects on the models i am someone who doesn't paint with metallic paints hardly at all and that's just from there's a couple reasons for that one is is just background sort of training all the people that i started painting with way back in the day they all did non-metallic metal back when it was just first really starting Mm -hmm. and um and so my style kind of developed out of that school of thought and not that i do like perfect with trying to mimic reflections and things like that, but more that my style sort of developed into, I tried to make my models look more like animations. Yeah. And so, you know, the metallic, the fact that the metals were a different finish than the rest of the paint sort of killed that uh, aesthetic. (laughs) Right. And so that's just kind of my styles developed to look more like, like animation than um, anything else. And so I, I just have never really liked to paint with metal, but I, I am so envious of when I see these masters painting in true metallic metal, uh, what they can achieve. And I would love to sit down and take a workshop from one of them and just kind of you know, open up a new repertoire for myself. Aside from necessities, what one thing could you not go a day without? Um, you got the your fr- food, you got yeah. your oxygen, you got, um, yeah, that's the essentials. Yeah, I, what, the the first thing, thing that pops into my head is, is my cat's. That's you know? an awesome answer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. It's just funny how much they bring to your life, you know, just having those extra little living bodies hanging out who, you know, just yeah. want to sit on, want to hang out in your lap or just, you know, I don't know. They're I just ridiculous. love those little guys. Yep. Yeah. Same. If you could make a 20 second phone call to yourself at any point in your life, in the present or the future, when would you call and what would you say? Oh, present or the future? You mean past or the Um. Yeah. Okay, go to the sure. uh, yeah, buy That's Apple. Yeah, yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah, the twelve-year-old kid, you know, it's like, hey, you're not going to understand this now, but as soon as you're old enough to buy stock, buy as much Apple as you can. <laughs> Ask your folks for more uh, allowance. Yeah, buy more Apple. But probably a more like you know a more realistic idea. I I often think, you know, what if I could go back and teach my myself when I was first starting to paint, like teach them the tricks that I know now and give them like that 20 year process that I've had of getting to this point, like reset that at the point I'm at now and give them another 20 years, you oh, know, yeah. to uh, see what, where they, where I would be at this point. Um, I often fantasize about that. It's like, what if I just knew how to do this 20 years ago? <laughs> you know, right. where, where would I be now? Last question. You ready for it? I'm ready. Do you have anything to promote? Um, uh, kind of. Yeah. So although the last several months I have not been uh, painting a lot because I was finishing my doctorate and that kind of sucked up a lot of my time. Sure. Um, 
But when I do paint, uh, I do a lot of, I try to do a lot for charity organizations with my hobby. So whenever, uh, whenever I do commission work, I donate 25% of what I get to animal charities. So, uh, tends to be, I occasionally give to some other ones, but the three big ones are the Arizona animal welfare project, which is the largest no kill shelter in Arizona. Um, the Arizona pet project, which uses money to help do a couple things. They do spay and neuter clinics out in communities, but they also try to help people who don't have the money for surgeries and things for their family pets. So they, they try to help those people so that rather than just euthanize the animals, that the animals can stay in the homes and, and get the care that they need. And then the third one is the, the gorilla international fund, which, uh, uses money to go out and, protect and research gorillas in their natural habitats, but also uh, educate the local communities and work with them to try to help them find solutions to their needs that doesn't involve um, destroying the habitat for gorillas and, and endangering them. So I give to those wow. organizations. And every so often I'll do things like um, I had grayed out productions, make some gorilla with a dice gorilla with a brush dice bags yeah, and then gave up. Yeah. yeah. Gave, gave a hundred percent of the income from those to those charities um, anytime if I sell painted work or I did some Celtic busts and I still have some of those for sale on my website, um, a portion of all of the, the, uh, sales of those go to these charities as well. So, you know, it's, it's something I can feel like, you know, the time I'm putting in my hobby, it's not just benefiting me you know, personally, but it's also benefiting these other causes. Um, so yeah, if you want to participate in that, go ahead and you can check out any models I currently have for sale on my website, grillwithabrush.com, or you can contact me about, um, any upcoming projects I might have or any ways that you can help. Gorilla with a brush. I appreciate you being on my podcast. Absolutely. Got, it was a joy. We got deep. We got deep into it, didn't we? We did. <laughs> this is what I'm doing, man. I, I ask the uh, hard-hitting uh, questions. I love it, man. I love what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you very much, and I will see you around, sir. Thank you. Take care, All everybody. Right. So as you all know by now, if you're fans of the Havoc cast, I am a huge, huge fan of the Fantasy Flight games, Edge of the Empire, Age of Rebellion role-playing games. They're fantastic. I'm lucky enough to have a regular group that plays at the house at least once a month. For me, that's a huge accomplishment. We're about six games in, and we played another game on Saturday night. And although we had a smaller group as my wife and my buddy CJ could not make it, we still had an amazing game. I tried something new and based this game on an extraction-type scenario. The scenario being an Imperial defector has somehow contacted the Rebellion and given them vital information, thus proving her commitment to helping the Rebellion out. But she needs extraction from her current post, which is on an observation post on a remote moon of Gidrea, which is pretty much a jungle moon, very remote, very dangerous, sort of like rainforest but on uh, speed in the jungle a lot of animals creatures leeches nexu running around etc so on and so forth the player characters needed to travel at least 50 60 miles through the jungle over treacherous terrain to make their way to the rendezvous point to meet her and get her out of there back to the rebellion where she could continue to help I created two separate maps for this 
scenario, one that was basically a topographic map that showed where they were being dropped off and the RV point they needed to meet the Imperial Defector at. And then I made my own map that had an awesome grid on it and through a series of roles based on whichever character felt that they could navigate the best sort of determined which direction they ended up heading. My players were smart and used geographic elements of the things that they could see around them, notably the peak where they were dropped off into the jungle to sort of guide their way. But once they got into the deep jungle, things got a little bit more difficult because trees all look very similar. One of the characters, Steve Fett, fell off of a cliff and nearly died. Luckily, there is a medical droid, even though it took him some time to get down at the bottom of the cliff to help him, ended up patching him up. There was poisonous gas from a swamp they encountered. Also a couple of stormtroopers on patrol around a supply rail. But eventually they made their way to the rendezvous point and met up with the Imperial Defector. But right at the moment they met her and she put her hands up to show that she was not a threat to them. A blaster bolt shoots out of the jungle from behind them, hits her square in the chest and she dies right in front of them. And they find themselves surrounded by Imperial stormtroopers, ATSTs, and an Imperial officer telling them, you need to give up. You are captured. And that was the end of the game. I left them on a cliffhanger, and now when the rest of my group shows up, they will have a cool jailbreak-type scenario to play out to rescue the other players and hopefully get them all off the moon successfully. I'm very excited about the next session, but I have to wait for a month because we only play once a month, but that gives me time to get all my ideas together. I can't wait to see what my player characters come up with if you have the time and the means, please check out Fantasy Flight's Age of Rebellion, Edge of the Empire, also Force and Destiny, which is the Jedi version uh, skin of that same game. Very cool. you got to buy some new dice to do it, but the dice are very sweet and awesome, and I love them, and it's just a fun game. And, of course, it's Star Wars, and I love Star Wars. Now, one more thing before I go. I told my buddy I would record myself saying ring, ring, so he could make a ringtone out of it. So I'll go ahead and leave that for all of you. You can have ringtones if you are that crazy. <clears throat> ring, ring. Ring, ring. Ring, ring. 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 Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Good night, everyone. Ring.